Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much In this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass Or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Welcome back to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea podcast. Um, I have an OG and a dearly beloved friend and guest, Sarah, who's going to share with us her fertility journey. Um, and I think you guys are going to see yourself in it, You're, whether it's all of her story or part of her story. Um, like this is just such a story of hope um, without the struggle. And I'm just so excited for her to share. Okay. So Sarah, start from the very beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us your story. 
Um, uh, I guess for starters, um, in terms of family background, um, uh, my I grew up in a family that was quite health conscious um, and brought up just how different foods affect our bodies. And um, I think uh, my dad would make comments about other people's bodies or my mom and sister, um, you know, would make comments about their own bodies. Um, so I think it was kind of a little bit of a, something I noticed probably from early on, um, even though I was in a smaller body as a kid, I was actually a little bit scrawny, but I think there was still kind of an emphasis on being small. Um, and as I went through high school, my body kind of changed from a scrawny little kid to, um, like an actual female body <laughs> um, and I gained weight um, and was uncomfortable with that at the time. Um, I was I was doing a couple sports and everything like that and yet still gaining weight. And I think that part kind of bothered me. Um, and yeah, I think at that time I started to try to eat healthier or, um, you know, maybe after cross-country practice, uh, run extra or that kind of a thing. Um, and I was actually, it was kind of a stressful year. I think my junior year of high school with, um, you know, taking AP classes and working a couple jobs and sports and everything like that. Um, yeah, just started getting stressed. And um, I did lose my period. Um, I think it might've been the beginning of my junior year of high school. I didn't really think too much of it. Just thought that was kind of interesting. No idea why. Um, and it probably wasn't until about a year later that I mentioned it to my mom that I hadn't had a period. Um, she thought that was pretty weird too. So um, she took me to my PCP um, and the PCP said, you know, you're in sports. So that's probably why, but I'm not too worried about it. If it keeps going like that, then, you know, maybe after your next cross country season, go to the, go to a you can come back or go to a doctor or something like that. And so we said, okay, yeah, sounds good. Didn't really think too much of it. Um, and then, yeah, my mom probably, you know, after my cross country season ended and my period didn't come back that winter of my senior year of high school, she took me to a kind of a naturopathic doctor who prescribed estrogen and progesterone creams, um, kind of like a HRT kind of a thing. Um, to jumpstart a period. And I'm not sure what happened, but I became kind of an emotional wreck um, during those months that I was on them. Um, you know what? I uh -huh. just want to say, I'm so glad that you said that because I also went on HRT and I'm not anti it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like when, when I had horrible, and I'm talking about, I was an emotional wreck. I was weeping I was just like, like, I'd just be there and my husband or like a family member would ask me a question and I'd answer it. And all of a sudden I'd, I'd just start crying. I would yeah. just start crying. And I am not an overly emotional person. I mean, I feel like my emotions are coming back and are in like the normal range now that I'm recovered, you know what I mean? But to go from like, I just felt like mentally the most unstable person because I just couldn't understand what was going on with me. Like I couldn't understand why I was just crying all the time. It, it, and then on top of it, I felt hopeless. So I just really, mm -hmm. I appreciate when people share the other side of <clears throat> hormones or adding hormones onto a metabolism that potentially isn't ready for them yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's probably a reason why our body turned it off. Right. And that mm -hmm. like, sometimes you just can't throw hormones onto a situation, right? There are mm -hmm. side effects 
And so I'm not anti it, but but like we see this a lot is like a lot of people are prescribed hormones just to try to quote unquote jump start the cycle, which technically can't be done. Like that's like trying to sh- troubleshoot at the ovary level when this is really a hypothalamus, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Issue. So I just, okay. So continue, but I just wanted to be like, yes, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I guess I wasn't expecting that. And I think a very similar very similarly to you just yeah start crying or um all the time I remember just being in the shower and um yeah constantly crying um and um so yeah I think I honestly did kind of feel depressed I really had no appetite anymore it was just kind of one of those things I don't think like the not eating part was super intentional at that time I think I was just like oh I guess I don't really have an appetite and I don't really feel like doing anything I'll just lay in bed after practice versus, you know, kind of like going and hanging out with friends. So that was, yeah, not a good time. Um, I don't think I really noticed that I was losing weight um, until uh, my senior year of high school, my family and I went on vacation um, to, uh, on spring break. Um, and I was wearing a swimsuit and my parents saw that I was, uh, had obviously lost weight, looked a little bit uh, like a skeleton. Um, I think they were like, whoa, have you lost weight? And I was like, I don't know, maybe I haven't really felt that good. Um, And so they were definitely really concerned about that. Um, It was actually a pretty significant amount of weight. I think my mom ended up being like, we need to weigh you when we get back and all this. So yeah, my parents both like tag teamed. Uh, My mom was starting to weigh me every morning and my dad would, when I'd get home from school, count up. Um, my calories, like he'd ask me about everything I ate that day and like Google how much calories it was. And then if it didn't hit the amount that he felt like was um, adequate, um, he would like make a like giant snack at like 10 PM and then I'd be upset and I want to eat it. And so, yeah, that wasn't a great time. Um, And, you know, he'd wake up early. It was very caring, but, you know, at the time it felt kind of controlling. And I think when we think about like disordered eating and how there is a huge component of control with that it felt like more control kind of being taken from kind of that that control that had already started like junior year of high school (laughs) yeah and I like that you even are open about this too because I think sometimes we think and it could be really confusing to develop disordered eating or the like an eating disorder almost like accidentally you know what I mean like I feel like when I listen to your story like okay, yes, so you're probably just naturally on the leaner side of life, you know what I mean? Like being active, being a kid and probably just didn't know that you were under eating. So like, honestly, like we could have like solved this, you know, with like, you know, peanut butter and toast in the morning, right? And this isn't like bashing parents because our parents, like when, you know, like whenever you look at your child, you're just like, ah, I gotta help, right? You know, yeah. so it's just like one of those things where it's like, and then obviously being put on HRT was not great. I mean, like I totally spun out of control. Like I wouldn't be surprised if I stayed on it longer, if I wouldn't have been down the same route. And because I felt so out of control on HRT, I could imagine just like any bit of stability and or control just felt so alluring just because it felt so horrible. Right. So yeah. I mean, like the whole original point to this was that like sometimes disordered eating or eating disorders doesn't happen because you hate your body. Sometimes it's just like 
a weird combination of things and, and just reaching for control. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely kind of look back at like my, look back at maybe my thoughts around my body, like my junior and senior year of high school. I did feel like, you know, um, I felt like I, it might not be a bad thing if I lost weight, but I don't think I was willing to like not eat because of that. Like I was like, oh, I should probably just eat healthier. But that was kind of like mostly the extent of it. Right. Um, so right. Yeah, yeah, so really wasn't until HRT that, um, yeah, my appetite completely left and then control was taken. I think I was emotionally on the fritz <laughs> um, to where I was just like, I'm not having any of this. Um, yeah, and so um, my parents and I ended up going to a family counselor because we had never like had any sort of like arguments or issues in the past. And then it was like every morning I was like bursting into tears that I'd like didn't want to eat the food that my dad had made and stuff like that. So um, yeah, and or another thing too was like I would throw away food that they made for me like when they weren't looking or I'd like chug water before my mom weighed me and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, and they were kind of, realizing that probably wasn't sneaky enough. Um, and so they were like, what is happening? So yeah, they, we went to a family therapist and um, the family therapist was like, so with this eating disorder, blah, 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 like said something like that. And we, I think even my mom was like, eating disorder, what are you talking about? Like, what? <laughs> I think all of us were just like, wait, what? Like, yeah. What? Yeah. And then my mom starts crying. It was like, you have an eating disorder? I was like, I don't think so. You're um, like, I don't know. I'm <laughs> that you guys are doing this I feel crazy on HRT like I don't know yeah yeah so once my mom my parents kind of realized that piece of things they were like oh my gosh you need to get treatment and so they had me go to this like treatment center that summer um it was outpatient but it was very regular um and like a psychologist and doctor and a dietitian um, that you're meeting with really regularly. Um, and I was very resistant about that. I was not happy to be there. Did not think I had a problem. I thought it was like, yeah, crazy that they were making me go to this thing. Um, so it's pretty stubborn. Didn't really do the things I was supposed to just kind of enough to like get them off my case a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The good thing was though, is that, um, I did go to college that fall. Um, and I, just kind of like didn't have my parents on my back anymore and just ate normally and enjoyed college and I got my period back that fall <laughs> it just Yay! kind of came back <laughs> yeah without like really trying <laughs> yeah um so that was that was good um but I definitely know you know so I think kind of looking back on that like I definitely you know um had disordered eating tendencies like junior and senior year of like trying to eat super healthy or trying to do extra runs um kind of a thing that was pretty that wasn't healthy and then it was a bit exacerbated so yeah my um senior year of college or sorry freshman year of college I just like didn't run anymore and just tried to like eat normally and enjoy the food courts and stuff like that and um felt pretty good with that so um, throughout college, like there might be a semester here or there where I wouldn't have a period and would just be like, oh, maybe I'm just stressing or God, just trying to make sure I need to eat more. I don't know, like, but didn't really work too hard at it. And then, you know, it'd be a semester later and it would come back and I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so I didn't think too much of it. Um, I guess before I keep <laughs> rambling on, um, 
uh, I guess I would probably be fast forwarding to 2018. Any thoughts or questions before I jump to? No, no, this okay. is so good because I mean, I just honestly, I'm just so glad that you are sharing it this way because my gosh, like it's never about the food, right? Like it's mm-hmm. actually like not about the food. And so, yes, oh, just keep going, keep going. This is so good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, so yeah, uh, so I guess, I guess so I got married in 2016 and then my husband and I moved to Pennsylvania. Um, and like that whole basically first year of marriage, um, I did still have a period. Um, and then from Pennsylvania, we moved to Boston in 2017, in January of 2017 and period disappeared. Um, so I wasn't like, I was like, oh, sometimes it kind of does that. I know I was like in a car accident and yeah, a couple like starting a new job. So I guess a couple stressful probably life events happens. So I was like, oh, I'll probably come back like it normally does. But a year later and it wasn't back, you know, another six months, it still wasn't back. I was like, oh, great. Maybe I have to like do something about this, then just, just hope it will come back. Um, so Yeah, a friend of mine, I think I was talking about it with her and she actually sent me a copy of No Period Now What, um, which I read, of course, in like three days. (laughs) And you're Um, like, this is me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, I guess I knew that some of the disordered eating tendencies, um, you know, I had those in high school and kind of worked through those kind of a thing. I think I was just still probably even like in denial that I even had the eating disorder in the first place um a bit just being I think I just had this thought like oh, I'm just being healthy I'm not like extreme or anything um but when I read no period now what I felt like it was really helpful because it was like you can lose your period from restricting even if you don't have a eating disorder like you don't have to you know be someone that eats 300 calories a day and like be unhealthy. Um, I it was such a pivotal moment for me because at the time I was eating, I think I would say like, I feel like I was eating more than most of my clients are eating like when they first come to me. Right. So for me, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate when people actually share and like, this doesn't mean that you have to share, but I mean, mm-hmm. if honestly, if Danny would not have shared her story and how much she was eating and that she lost her cycle, I would probably still be here being a, being like just stuck in a rut because um, everything that I had previously like looked up about like losing your cycle or like the female triad was always like, you have an eating disorder. I'm like, no, I don't. You want to be small. No, I want to be jacked. You know what I mean? Like you're an athlete. I'm like, I don't play, you know, like college softball anymore and you know like all these things that that just didn't add up but then whenever I saw someone eating a normal amount and still developed HA I was like oh snap like this actually might be me (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, so I love that you share that that you're like hold on I'm like eating I'm not like doing what I used to do in uh, high school what's going on yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think too, like one thing that was also has been going on really since, since high school. Um, and I think almost is probably what made me think, oh, I should change my eating habits was yes. I, I went from, I guess, I don't know if numbers, are numbers helpful in terms oh, of like, I think numbers okay. are super helpful. Okay. okay. <laughs> like a freshman in high school, I think I was like 
90 something pounds. <laughs> so very still kind of scrawny. And then right. probably junior year of high school, um, that's when I probably gotten up to about 125. Um, so helpful. And, yeah. 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 Um, and so, at, you know, I think just gaining the weight was like kind of surprising to me, I guess. I was like, whoa, like, how am I gaining weight when I'm like in all these sports and stuff like that? Um, I think looking back on that, obviously, like, uh, a woman body <laughs> you can't yeah. be a scrawny kid and be like a, a woman body so anyways um all that to say uh I uh when like when I had lost weight after HRT it was probably back to around like 90 pounds um that that time that's why my parents were really like freaked out <laughs> um, right and in college I was probably more around like 108 or something like that so I was like oh I'm not at that like super unhealthy weight anymore like I'm fine I'm just like this is just my body um however one thing that had still kind of always bothered me and made me think like maybe I do have a bit of a problem was sensing like um like a binging going on or like hardly eating during the day and then like eating a ton at night and being like oh this doesn't feel normal or like eat to a level that I was like extremely full with. So my solution to that was getting more like, oh, I need to just like create more rules around myself. <laughs> so I don't do that. I just, so it was always, yeah, I think something I always wanted to work on. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, so I guess kind of fast forwarding back to no period now, what I thought it was just really interesting too that she talked about um, like even when you have calories in the day, like you can't just skimp all day yes. and eat at night. like you need to be eating consistently during yes, the day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. absolutely because that drop in energy availability, whenever you're on such a fine line of energy homeostasis, like is enough to tip you. It's totally mm-hmm. enough to tip you in the other direction. Right. And so, but like, think about what's kind of wild is that like almost every woman that I've ever known who is a client or not <laughs> mm-hmm. has gone through a season of like, saving or unknowingly saving all their calories towards the end and then having a bigger meal and then having a bigger dessert. And they're like, see, this is why I can't allow myself to have snacks during the day because then, because then I eat so much at night. And I'm like, what if we're creating the hunger that we're afraid of? Like what if we're actually creating that? You know what I mean? By restricting during the day. So, oh, okay. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So very insightful book, really helpful in terms of like, um, when we were in Boston, I didn't have a period. I'd, you know, wake up really early, like around five or something, go on a walk. Um, and then like just pack really lightly, light lunches. Like I honestly just like lettuce greens and maybe like a couple nuts on there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. In a very small container. I like look back at that. I'm like, how did I like not become really, really grumpy? Um, but I will say that, um, anxiety has always been something that I've struggled with even in Boston too. And I just thought that was my like personality. Um, this is kind of like jumping ahead, but that's something that's really changed (laughs) over time. So yeah, talk about that. Okay. But keep going. This is so good. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, I'm fine. I I'm not more hungry or like when it's time, you know, when I am hungry, it's like basically dinner time. (laughs) Um, so yeah, um, but reading that book, it made me change a couple things in terms of like not walking in the morning without eating first, maybe putting a little bit of extra nuts on my salad, um, you know, things like that. Um, I was 
through that time, I did gain a little bit of weight, um, probably like oh, not much though, like three or four pounds. Um, and my cycle came back. Um, so it's pretty quick. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Didn't have to do too, like, didn't seem like too much, even though it did, it did kind of seem like hard to do, I guess. Um, and had that period pretty regularly for about a year and a half. Um, and then we moved to Durham, North Carolina in March of 2020, and um, which was like when the pandemic happened and we moved and I started a new job and we started um, wanting to try to have a family. Um, so all those things I think just kind of caused emotional stress on top of the fact that like now I was working from home and had a lot more time. Um, so I was a lot more active and I was like, oh, I should start running again. Like I need a hobby. Um, <laughs> and I think also just having like the full kitchen at my disposal all the time was kind of not, not helpful, I guess, in a way that was like, I felt like I had to be more careful because oh, I could easily yeah. overeat or something like that. Whereas like when I packed my lunch at work, I don't know, I didn't have to be as like careful or something or like. I noticed when the whole fridge was here, like I would like eat a whole bunch at like lunch and then feel bad about it. And then like, yeah, I had a little bit more like guilt kind of coming up with food, which is interesting. Which so is definitely like leftover diet mentality, right? Because it's always like, make sure that you control your environment. Like, you know, make sure you're not grazing, make sure your counters are clear and that the cookies are out of reach and that vegetables are up front. And then, but yet like when, like, I think for you, this is such a great learning example of what it kind of looks like to be constantly on the edge of energy homeostasis where now looking back, we're like, oh, your body was so smart to be like, Hey, can you please eat a little bit more? You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, yeah. So, oh. I will always be in awe of the female, female body being like, excuse me, I know what I need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. This is a little bit jumping ahead, but I do think that's something huge that me and you worked on together that really has stuck with me is because I think I was bringing up to you just like the, that I was upset about the fact that I had binged or like felt really guilty about it or something like that. And I think you had asked about like, maybe where is restriction? Like, where can you point to restriction or something like that? And I'm like, I'm not restricting. Like, I feel like I eat way too much. Like I overeat, like something like that. And you were like, what about like mindset with restriction? Like, you know, like where's that restrictive mindset playing? And maybe it's just like a phrase you tell yourself yeah, kind of a thing. And that really hit me because I realized that a rule that I had was like only three meals like you shouldn't be snacking or something <laughs> I shouldn't be snacking and so like when I'd be eating a meal is say it's like 11 30 and I'm having lunch and I don't think we're going to be able to like have dinner we're not getting din dinner until 7 or 7 30 I would eat to the point that was like uncomfortably like stuffed because like I didn't I, there wasn't a, I would not be allowed to have a snack <laughs> between right. then. And so that like restrictive mindset was like causing the, I guess, binge feeling, even though I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm not restricting. Cause I'm like eating all this food at lunch kind of a thing. So, yes. and, and uh, that's why I like restriction. And that's why I actually think 
like your story is so amazing because throughout your story, you're able to kind of like see that you're able to get your cycle back, right? That you're like, we're able to actually do this physiologically. But if like we don't actually address the mental chatter in our head, mm-hmm. it's like we are going to actually set the stage for this to, to be a continuous cycle, right? Because so think about physically, we could check the box and be like, look at how much I ate. And mind you, I'm sure it was like, potentially tons of protein or actually probably tons of veggies really if I remember like your food view in my head as I pull it up in my head you know what I mean (laughs) but like tons of veggies and and then just the proof that you felt overly full is enough for us to signify no 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 I am eating a ton and I used to do that all the time and that's why I asked I was like huh do you think that there is a mental restriction you know that is actually creating this you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah that a restricted mindset I feel like has really yeah exactly really stuck with me um and even like through and after recovery when I find myself just like keep putting down food like eating 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 I'm like okay where like I'm full and I want to keep eating like what restrictive mindset is setting in, you know, maybe it's like, I shouldn't be eating this food. I'm not allowed it. Or like, I'm not allowed a snack later or something that, you know, I think when I'm like, actually you are allowed a snack, (laughs) you can stop eating because you're allowed a snack. Um, kind of a thing has been very free. Yes. So helpful. Okay. Okay. Keep going. So good. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, that was March of 2020. Um, and yeah, uh, period went missing. Um, tried to do some things because I know in the past I was like, oh, right, no period. Now what? So I'd like do this, do that. So I tried to do some different, you know, like, you know, um, walking or running less or, um, you know, eating fuller meals or something like that. It was definitely kind of floundering. Um, my period kind of came back like I had you know, it might be some spotting and then it'd be a couple months later and a kind of a partial period or something like that. So I was like, it's kind of coming, not really. And then um, I somehow found Danny's podcast the end of that summer. So that would have been like August-ish of 2020. And I was so excited. I was like, wow, this is, I, I feel like nobody, like none of my friends or anything would think that like, maybe I had a some disordered eating, maybe just because I didn't, maybe it was like secretive, I guess about it. Um, so I feel like even when like some, when I brought it up to friends about like, oh yeah, I'm trying to like just exercise less or eat a little more and see if that helps with my period. I feel like they were like, huh, okay. Like <laughs> don't really get it. So it was really nice to like have that podcast of other women that were like, yeah, um, you can be not extreme, I guess, and still not be healthy. Um, so yeah, kind of got it back, started working with Danny. Um, and with working with her, that's when I realized like about like the luteal phase um, or like that being something I should know um, because at that point, you know, March of 2020, I think I started meeting with Danny. I don't know, I'm just kind of gonna throw out a date, but I think it was probably like February of 2020. So it'd been almost a year of trying to conceive, having some kind of periods, I guess, but you know, not, conceiving um, right and so I was even kind of like oh, I am having periods like why can't we get pregnant kind of a thing and I think Danny helped me to realize like oh your luteal phase is 
quite short. Um, and that's kind of like a, an HA thing that you need to work on. Um, yeah. I was like, what? After all of this year, this has been going on. And like, honestly, even when we were in Boston, I think I probably had short luteal phase. I just didn't know that was a thing. So I probably like, even though I was like, oh, I just gained a couple pounds and was fine. Like looking back on it, I kind of feel like my cycles were like 22 days apart usually. So like, I definitely probably had a short luteal phase. Um, so yeah, I was like, oh, great. Now I have to do more stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, uh, Danny, you know, I think that that's why I think it's so important. Like whenever people are like, you just gotta get, you know, a lot of times, like we think that you just gotta get your cycle back and that's it. I'm like, hold up. There's a difference between recovering, um, ovulation and, um, optimizing for conception, right? I mean, it's not like, I mean, yes, it can be a drastic difference, but like, that's why it's just like, it's just not the same thing. Like it's, it's in a very essential first step and it is a required step, but it's not exactly the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, yeah. So, uh, to kind of continue on, um, Danny was going on maternity. And so me and Ashley were able to be connected at that time. And, um, I feel like you really hit me hard with lots of, um, heart, heart stuff <laughs> in true Ashley style. <laughs> um, yeah, which really, I think was like, oh, like maybe some things, I feel like, you know, even though I was like, yeah, I probably eat sort of weird or probably have some hangups with food or something. But like, I feel like when working with you, it was kind of like, you asked me a lot of pretty hard hitting questions that made me be like, oh yeah, I think I do have a problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, with gaining weight, like, okay, maybe I'm not actually as okay as I act like I am with that. Um, yeah, some different thoughts and tendencies that were kind of coming um, to the surface. Um, and yeah, Ashley, so um, yeah, you'd recommended um, eating um, smaller amounts more frequently, adding in protein, because it's something that I had done, especially when I was getting a little bit frantic. I was like, okay, I have to gain weight, I have to gain weight, um, was just, I would just eat like bowls of ice cream at one time, which really took me back to that like shame around binge eating. And then I would just like eat bowls of ice cream and then feel upset and embarrassed and why'd I do that? And then uh, not really eat the next day because I didn't feel good and then right. like rinse, rinse and repeat. So um, thankfully working with Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. That's good. That's good. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Definitely note to anyone out there, not a fun, not a good idea to gain weight. It sounds like the fun way, but it's not, um, got a lot of stomach aches and just got really discouraged. Um, yeah. Which really did play a role in this like, okay, well, like, which really kind of led into this association of like, well, when I do eat freely, I feel horrible. That's why I should go back to like the strict, you know, this strict control. Right. And so you and I really had to work on like, okay, but what if there's a middle uh -huh. and what does the middle look like? Right. Oh, yeah. So good. I'm so glad yeah. that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was, cause I think 
I was also kind of a little bit in denial too. Like, how do I have this problem? I eat cream <laughs> every day. Like, I don't have any hangups. Like, I eat all foods. I don't restrict. Like, blah blah blah, kind of a thing. But yeah, I was definitely had some um, very unhelpful habits. Um, so yeah, you had brought up like the you know let's let's not try to shove bowls of ice cream. <laughs> let's try to do like small frequent meals. Um, and actually kind of what I alluded to earlier, that was, that was hard. Cause that really challenged that rule that I didn't realize I had about no snacking. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, wait, this is actually harder because now I'm like, okay, wait, you have to snack. You have to eat something, but I don't want to, but like, uh, like, uh, yeah, surprisingly, that was actually really hard to do. And I feel like I would almost like set out every day with like, oh, eat three meals and two snacks. And then I'd be like, well, I'm not hungry, but I don't know. But my breakfast was kind of big. So I definitely don't eat a snack, blah, blah. Like I would just make excuses a lot <laughs> to myself. Yeah. Um, so at that point was when I talked to you about like sending you photos of what I ate. I was like, I got to have some accountability here because I like give myself an excuse every like almost every day of like why I don't need to do it kind of a thing yeah and so guys I want you to see um this is so because Sarah's such an OG client this is like now because Sarah did this this was part of everyone's protocol we have everyone food yes it was you okay nice look what my clients sent me like this is way more effective than trying to like it's not that and the thing is not that you don't trust your clients but it's like please tell me as accurately through your blind spot what's going on and it's just and it's just tough right because you don't know it's your blind spot so someone could be like yeah I ate yogurt with granola and what and like a banana and what really happened is someone ate one fourth of a banana an itty bitty amount of yogurt and they made their homemade granola that has like no fat in it so it's literally just oats with cinnamon <laughs> right mm-hmm. and so whenever you introduce this this is now part of all of our one-on-one clients that we work with and this is actually now also part of that um restore your fertility um program that we have going on um so thank you, Sarah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So then, so then you started to send this to me and I was actually yeah. able to see what you were eating without it being like writing down your food or tracking your food, which is why mm-hmm. when I saw it, I was like, brilliant. We've got to keep doing this. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in Do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones 
are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery. So to get the checklist, all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you. You can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that was so helpful for me because then like, if I had that thought of like, oh, it's time to eat a snack. I couldn't just come up with a really dumb excuse of like, well, I'm going to maybe yeah. eat dinner or blah, 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 like come up with stuff. Um, I'd be like, I, if I tried to use that excuse with Ashley, like, oh, like <laughs> I kind of feel like it or something like that's, <laughs> that's like, there's not a real good reason for not having a snack. So it really helps yeah. kind of um, push me and we saw traction. Yeah. Like my cycles, like the luteal phase started lengthening and I got pregnant pretty soon I don't know we've been working together a couple months um and yeah so um that that was so that was September of 2021 um so after like yeah doing that together um we saw yeah we saw my body really respond to that um and I'm so this is like a little bit of a sad part but Ashley already knows this but yeah um we uh kind of like as soon as we found out we were pregnant, like I took um, pregnancy tests um, quite a bit. Um, and we also, I, I started bleeding as well. Um, so yeah. that was a really early on uh, miscarriage. Um, and yeah, thankfully I'm glad we were meeting during that time because you really kind of coached me through even that grieving process. Cause that really, I guess for any women out there who have experienced um, a pregnancy loss, that really hit me hard. Like I still think about that and like almost start to get sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I think that was just really like blindsided me, I guess. Cause that's something, you know, I guess a year and a half after trying to conceive, we finally get pregnant and then it ends. So like tragically and it was kind of drawn out where they were like oh we could just be bleeding because it's like we're not sure and then it was like kind of a over maybe four days where we were like are we miscarrying are we not don't know what's happening um so yeah I had a um a like transvaginal ultrasound after that um just so they can see if I needed to do a DNC um because I think we were actually a little further than we realized I think it might have been yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, I went in for that. Um, and the midwife came in to talk to me after that and said, oh, so now we, we know what the problem is. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, see so you have this, like all these little follicles on your ovaries. And I was like, uh, yeah. And she said, yeah, you have PCOS. So yeah, that's why you like, you've had this issues with fertility. And I was like, wait, what? Like I, what like I was finally getting traction and I didn't what so I just I asked her 
you know, what, what would you recommend that I do about that? And she looked at me straight in the face and said, well, normally I um, recommend to lose weight and cut carbs. And (laughs) yeah, if any of you can put yourselves in that boat, I was already like very emotionally fragile after just having a miscarriage. And then her telling me that like, I need to lose weight and cut carbs or something. I was just like, I actually started tearing up in the <laughs> appointment room where I was like, but I, I just, I just started eating more carbs and, and like gaining weight. And she was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you should probably just go to a fertility doctor because I don't know, like, that's what I normally tell people, but I don't really, I don't know if that would help you, I guess. I don't know. I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, I remember that so clearly because obviously like you had just told like you like we were walking through this right and I was just like oh my heart right and then so I can like deep sadness and then deep rage (laughs) because then because then I remember you telling me this and I was like she said what to you she said what you know what I mean more of like but we have all the proof that adding in carbs and you gaining weight has, yes, I'm not saying that a miscarriage is the goal, but this hasn't been possible for you before. And now it is. Um, yeah. And I just like, this is why I love that you're sharing your story because this many of women have had this exact moment, maybe not surrounding a miscarriage, but working with us or, really feeling confident or knowing that, you know, it's, it's like really tough to admit that you have HA knowing that you potentially may have to gain weight. You know what I mean? So to finally come to this acceptance point and then to hear someone in a white lab coat say, well, you just need to cut carbs and lose weight after she was looking at you knowing good and well, that's why she probably didn't feel good about it. That like, how am I telling this person who's probably already naturally very lean that you just need to cut carbs and lose weight? <laughs> like, like woman, are you using your eyes? Does this actually apply in this situation? Or is this just what you always say? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Yes. Sorry for my <laughs> I know. I appreciate the rant. <laughs> oh, yeah, my heart. My heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then I was like, oh no, like fertility clinic, are we going to have to do IVF or like IUI? Like what are we going to have to do? Um, and so I was able to get an appointment and kind of from that, like September through our appointment, our first appointment was like in January of 2022. Um, I was just, I feel like my motivation really lost steam. And I think you saw that probably where I was like, uh, I don't know. Like you're like, okay, come on, keep going, keep going. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, what do I have? Like, is this even going to help? Like, what if we just kind of get another miscarriage because of the PCOS like I don't know yeah, like I, at that time you were really convinced and like and like I think like we even stopped working together a mm-hmm. little bit just because you were really convinced that you had PCOS because you know like you had just been through this traumatic event a doctor you know just looked at and said this is why right and so mm-hmm. anybody it, it it would be hard to to go in the first off, it's hard to go against what a medical professional is telling you in general. Then, mm-hmm. when something so fragile on the line, such as giving birth, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. or having a baby or carrying a baby successfully, you know what I mean. It's really hard to keep going in the direction, even though I'm there with you and we've had so much progress and so much of a breakthrough. 
You know what I mean? Like it was really my first experience as a coach being like, okay, I have to let her go. If you know, like not like firing mm-hmm. you as a client, but you know, if you know, she mm-hmm. doesn't want to do this, like the, the next best thing that I can do is just be there for her whenever she circles back around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because it's like, I couldn't there, there's like, there's like, first off, you can't force a person to do anything. And because unfortunately the medical community holds so much weight when they speak, like I kind of felt like I was already up like, a, like, you know, like it almost didn't matter what I said, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, um, there were some things that you had to like poke out and really like explore before you came back and was like, no, this is really it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, we ended up seeing the fertility doctor. She took a bunch of labs and, um, I feel like she was very not thorough either. Cause she was like, yep, you do have PCOS. Like you're LHFSH, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but like, why, like what caused it kind of thing? And she was like, I don't know. But anyways, I did some research into like the different types and how they're caused. And it was like, take these labs. <laughs> um, so she like reluctantly agreed. Um, and like my DHEAS, um, mm-hmm. which is from the adrenal glands was elevated. So I kind of like narrowed down like a adrenal PCOS. So my like rabbit trail mind was like, oh, that's what I have. And I feel like it kind of, I was like, oh, so I like, I never had an, like an issue with food. Like, I think I kind of went to an extreme of like, I yeah. never had an eating disorder. I never had a problem. It was always this, this whole time kind of a thing. And, um, that wasn't helpful. Um, I think, you know, kind of the adrenal PCOS, I kind of started like looking into what I can do for that. And that's like acupuncture and adaptogens and, you know, fertility medications. We did, um, four rounds of letrozole, um, which is a fertility, uh, like a ovulation induction medication. And only one of those actually made me ovulate. And I was, I'm positive that my luteal phase was still too short. And I'm not going to lie. This fertility doctor that I went to was terrible. Like everything I told her, she would just like shrug or be like, I don't know. Like, I was like, I think my luteal phase was still too short. And she's like, you probably don't really know that. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. There was a number of things, even like I asked her, cause I lost weight, um, during this time. Um, like I'd gotten weight back up and then had lost it. And I had asked her about like, is that something that like is going to hurt the adrenal PCOS? And she was like, I mean, probably not. I don't, I, she's like, I wouldn't recommend weight loss, but like, do you want to start running? If you want to do anything like, yeah, like be my guest, like if, especially if it helps with your stress. And I was like, okay. So yeah, I kind of went backwards a little bit through the summer. Um, and yeah, I really just discouraged that the letrozole just didn't work. Um, and so three unsuccessful letrozole attempts. Uh, actually four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so at that point, John and I, that's my husband, we're going on vacation. Um, like, and so we were like, let's just like pause on this fertility stuff. And he actually heard of a different fertility doctor in our area that we like had some friends that had a really good experience with. So he's like, can we just go to another place? Cause this doctor like shrugs you off every time you have a question. I was like, okay. So we went to a different fertility doctor, um, and this would have been September of 2022. And um, we met with her and she was like night and day different from the first one that we went. She was very like thoughtful and listening. 
Um, and like, she spent probably an hour and a half with us the first meeting. And she kind of like wrapped up the call by saying, yes, your labs do indicate that you do have some sort of like adrenal PCOS going on. She's like, but you also have HA. She's like, she called it functional HA. She's like, do you know what that is? And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, I know what this is. I read a like, are you kidding me? We're back to that again, kind of a thing. So um, yeah, she was like, you need to gain weight and then we'll talk. Like, uh, I'm not going to put you through piece, like up through the letrozole again, because it's not going to work if you're not at a healthy body weight. And anyways, like say it did happen to work. Say you did have around that, like, all the perfect things fell into place and it worked. She's like, your body would be at a unhealthy spot. Like it wouldn't be healthy for a baby. And so I don't feel comfortable giving you medication when like you haven't done the work. And uh, I was like, um, I like just need to meet this doctor. This, yeah, just shake her hand. Like, honestly, I'm just, I'm just so, you know, I think like as a coach, my heart just gets so downtrodden after hearing, I mean, because like your story isn't the only story where individuals have horrific experiences with doctors. And so to finally hear of one mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. not because she was going to get you pregnant, but because she was like, no, this is what it is. And like, I won't do it because of this, this, and this. Um, I just feel like what a rare gem and I just want to meet her in person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. She was fantastic. Um, very yeah. thorough and very like just a really sweet, sweet, wise lady. So yeah, she was like, um, great. Uh, so yeah, after that appointment, I was just in tears. It was like, are you kidding me? We're like back at ground zero. Like, I don't want to have to gain weight. I thought I got out of that. Like, oh, like. Oh, kind of a thing. Um, I think my husband was just like, oh gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, was, I suggested this person to her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, he told me, he was like, I think she's right. I think like, I don't feel comfortable with you going on any more of those meds either. Cause like you, you have lost weight and you don't look healthy anymore. Um, cause at that point I was probably back down to, I think I probably lost, I lost, I don't know, 12 pounds over the summer, like kind of a lot. Um, so yeah, I was at like 97 pounds um, when I had that meeting with the fertility doctor. Um, so yeah, I was like, great. I thought I could kind of get by with just being here. So um, at that point I was like, all right, I'm going to put back in place everything that Ashley told me, even though I was like, nah, that's not for me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, this can't be my problem. This can't be it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had really gotten into running over the summer. <laughs> so I stopped all running. I went back to the like small, frequent meals, just like me and you had done. Um, like I was very diligent. I almost like didn't need that accountability anymore. So like mostly just because I was so done with the process, I was like, okay, we are years into this now. And like, I was ready to have a family like, yeah, like years ago. Like I'm not, I'm like not looking back. I'm moving straight forward. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, was very, very diligent about it and went from 97 pounds to about 117. Um, 
in, oh, I guess that was probably like end of September through like December, January timeframe. So in a couple months. Um, and like every, like I, every month I like, I guess it was like a cycle might've been, I got a period. It was maybe after 60 days and then after 40 and then after 30, um, and then the luteal phase were lengthening. So it was very obvious that my body was like, finally, <laughs> finally, uh, kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, periods were coming back. I was like, okay, this doctor was right. Ashley was right. Everybody was right all along. Um, <laughs> how to do this. This um, isn't PCOS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think there was like a PCOS component, but it was because I was underweight. And my body was super stressed out. That's why my DHEAS yes. was elevated. Like that yes. adrenal gland was elevated. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, and actually, that's one thing that we say all the time is that it is very possible to have both, but we mm -hmm. still have to address the HA. You know what I mean? It, you know, um, so that's why when people are like, I have both, I'm like, okay, well, let's do the first step, you know, because you not having a cycle forever is that's that's no longer PCOS. <laughs> you know, you're like we're at something else now. And I think that you can actually really only tell if you have PCOS once your cycle returns and your hormone levels have returned to normal, then you can actually get a reading. But also consider how much I mean DHEA, you know, can be released just from your adrenals being taxed, right? Mm -hmm. And um, what we don't understand is that like not having a cycle being under fueled and under recovered is stressful for the body. So I'm actually not ever really surprised to see those, those labs elevated with someone with HA. And I'm like, well, yeah, your body's under actually a lot of stress. Like it's not just mental, emotional stress. It is nutritional stress and physical stress. So think about like nutritional stress, we're under eating. And because we are forcing our body to exercise, we have to prioritize that. Now you are physically stressed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's enough to raise those, you know, HPA access, like hormones that like, I'm not too shocked, not saying that we don't have adrenal PCOS, but we can actually only really get to that diagnosis. Like after our cycle has been recovered and our hormones have been restored. So I just love mm -hmm. this story. I mean, I hate that it's so episodic for you, right? <laughs> yeah. I just, okay. Not that I love the story. I just love that you're sharing the story because I just yeah. know that so many women are going to have so many light bulb moments. You know what I mean? Okay. So keep going, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I will say like during that time of like end of September through like January when I was gaining the weight, um, I've definitely felt this like plunge ahead, like move forward like you know uh whereas like previously when I see weight gain I feel like I would just kind of like run <laughs> be like wait I don't like that <laughs> I mean I don't know if I'm going to keep doing that anymore um kind of a thing so that was really good and I feel like I kind of even had a little bit of a break breakthrough moment um this was when I always had pretty long hair and I brought up to my husband about like getting like a pixie cut or like something kind of shorter um and he is like always very much so encouraging me to gain weight. He says like, I would look better with weight gain and stuff like that. But he, um, <laughs> poor guy, um, had said something like, uh, I, I don't know if you should like cut your hair like that because you have a round face and that would probably not be like flattering. Like he was just trying to like give me a helpful tip. <laughs> but yeah. I took it very much like, 
you think I'm a round face? You think I'm like getting a rounder face? Like that's like the whole point that I've been doing this thing for. Um, and he was like, no, no, that's not what I meant. You try like, you know, back out of it and everything. <clears throat> Anyways, normally a comment like that would really like, I don't know, hang with me a little bit more, but like, I was like so excited to go get a pixie cut. <laughs> like it was a, I like went to get, I, I was like, oh, maybe I won't do it. Cause maybe it won't be like good, blah, blah. Like after talking to him about it, but like on my drive there, like the next day I was like, yes, I'm for sure doing this. And like, if this accentuates my round face, what is wrong with that? There's not a problem with that at all. Like, I don't know. It was just like a very much a moment of like acceptance of like, yes. why have I ever had a problem with that? Like there is no I don't know. So anyways, I got a pixie cut and was like, yeah, I have a round face. <laughs> I don't care. Um, kind my of face isn't and... changing. This is it. Welcome yeah. to my face. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fine. Um, so yeah, that was really good and um, really neat to, you know, I used to get stomach aches all the time from feeling just, I don't know, for no reason getting stressed. Like I hadn't swept that day and I was like, ah, we have Crohn's. I should, I don't know. And then just like get a stomach ache over that's kind of an exaggeration, but over really stupid things. <laughs> um, and I don't get, I don't get crazy. Like, uh, I don't know, anxious over dumb stuff anymore, which is great. Um, so yeah, that's been a huge change. Um, and so, yeah, um, okay. Kind of moving on, um, a couple, you know, in December we were actually conceived again, um, which wasn't a surprise to me at all. I knew probably like the day that we conceived, I was like, we totally conceived. I know it. I know we ovulated, blah, blah, blah. And then two weeks later I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. And I was just like, absolutely thrilled. Like I knew this was going to like, this worked finally, blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> I had an annual physical with my OB, uh, probably like a week and a half later after taking the pregnancy test. And I was so excited, um, to like, you know, go and get to tell her and everything like that told her and she's like okay if you want to just take a pregnancy test and she came back in the room and was like oh the line's faded like you shouldn't have a faded line right now and I was like what um yeah yeah it was really sad so she was like yeah I think you're probably about to miscarry um I was like oh my gosh <laughs> okay so that was very uh I like yeah, I think those couple weeks after I was just so sad and like, okay, I don't even know anymore. Like, what if we have this whole other issue that we didn't know about? Um, and so, yeah, I think I was just, yeah, struggling with like anger at my body or what the heck is going on. Um, and surprise, surprise, uh, probably, I don't know, around two weeks after we had the bleeding from the pregnancy loss, um, we conceived again. Uh, and yeah, now we are almost 17 weeks pregnant. So that's kind of oh a fun bow to the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So. So I, and then like in that time, I remember like being like, you know, she's just, let me just like reach out to her just cause I always felt like, you know, like you were the one client that got away. I was like, no, we have unfinished business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And then, I mean, just. I just love that you've been able to like keep pushing forward and be like, no, I know that I know that I know that like I'm supposed to be a mom. I'm supposed mm -hmm. to, you know, have a baby. And um, wow, I definitely like everyone's story is unique. So it's not like this is your story, but like I just think that like like 
like there's so much that people have to have for their firsthand evidence before they like dive in and they're like, this is AJ and this is fixable and I'm going to fix it. And I'm choosing now to like do the things that I potentially was afraid of before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. This, oh, this is just a wild. And so, yes, you said that you're about 17 weeks. Yeah. Oh, and I know that we could probably have like part two of like, what does it feel like? Like, how do we navigate stewarding like joy? You know what I mean? And like not holding our breath for like 40 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole other podcast. And so like, we're going to have to come back on and like, like share that just because like, that is a thing, you know? And I think it's also one of those things of like, like, I think sometimes because we're so used to, there's an option of like IVF, meaning that like, that like we have somehow eliminated the human experience of like, sometimes there are miscarriages. And like, I think, I, I think like I even get shocked sometimes, like, cause it's just like, I think that like, we almost forget like that this truly is a miracle. Even if you do or don't have HA, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like life is still being like created and like, we don't just get to put a formula to it and it, and then like ensure that it happens every single time, the first time, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh my gosh, like this is like an actual thing. You know what I mean? I don't know if I conveyed that properly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just a shocking reality. And I think too, just with that control piece being woven through kind of a lot of our, a lot of our stories. Um, Yeah. It's very much like a, everything's out of, it is out of our control kind of a thing. Like at the end of the day, like you kind of, you can't keep trying to hold on to control because life doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it, you know, that's like the biggest thing I was just talking with the client last night and I was just like, look here, all I know is that for everybody that recovers, they have to let go of control that you can't bring that into your healing journey. You can't bring that into the other side. And for some people, it looks like, you know, allowing themselves to snack for some people, it's letting go of a push up and a plank routine in the morning. Sometimes it's letting go of yoga and none of these things in itself is enough to like scare away someone's cycle. Right. But it's always the mental attachment to it. You know what I mean? And so I'm always mm-hmm. just like, I'm here to help you find your last piece of where you're holding on to control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, so good. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your story. Um, guys, this is just one of the many stories that like, and just, we're just blessed to be a part of people's lives and just watch this develop and support and guide. And so Sarah, you've done so much work on your own that like, we just want to just say, we are just in awe of your tenacity. And so thank you for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me on and for your encouragement through all of these, all of these years. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Okay, so you just had the chance to hear Sarah's story. And um, I just think it's a great example of, you know, being torn into PCOS or is this HA and um, how, you know, it's just a great example of why we need to address the HA first. So if you are ready to address your HA, your lack of ovulation and to get pregnant naturally, um, restore your fertility is open for applications. The reason why we have applications is because we want to make sure that you do in fact have HA or HA and PCOS because those are the women that we work with. Um, and that is where we are able to really help people restore their cycle. Um, AKA meaning that like, we're not working with women with like closed fallopian tubes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like those types of wild things that would prevent someone from getting pregnant. We are very passionate about this group of women because they've been told that they can't get pregnant naturally, that they must have IVF, they must use fertility treatments, and it's just simply not true. So we look forward to seeing your application um, and uh, Restore Your Fertility kicks off in June. All right. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about TempDrop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs. And then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction. TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, 
even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the temp drop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef and my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.